Thanks for being here today. We are in the middle of a series that's talking about conflict resolution. And uh, just to kind of bring you up to speed and to bring it into a Mother's Day reality is when I was three, year old, three years old, I told my mom to shut up. And so this is what we're talking about today. No, I'm kidding. We're taking a break from the conflict resolution series. We're going to be talking just about moms today. Um, but I had a lot of jokes. I could have brought up lots of conflict uh, with my mom uh, if, I, if I wasn't going to do that today. But I'm not. It's all going to be good and exciting stuff about mothers. And so we just want to honor you all today. But it is funny. I was just thinking about that moment and just thinking the torture that I must have put my mom through at that time. I was the oldest child, and so everything she experienced with me as a new mom was her first. And so the first time anyone uh, that was younger, like three years old, probably told her to shut up. And so I remember, you know, I don't remember much about being three years old, but I do remember a few key things. And the first is my bedroom. I remember sitting on my bed, looking at the door, uh, just wondering what I had done. And I was waiting for my dad to come home. I was told to sit in there until my dad comes home. And so I was just a little worried. Uh, other things I remember, there's three things. So the second thing is my mom's tears is that I could hear through the walls uh, as she was crying and just like wondering how she was going to raise a son. And then the third thing I remember about that specific story, probably the only thing I remember about being three years old is the taste of soap as my mouth was washed out. And so that's just like, that's, that's like my three-year-old memory is telling my mom to shut up. And so I just look, I think about that moment and my mom probably just pondering in her heart, which is what we're going to talk about today is this idea of just letting kind of life happen and soaking it in and understanding what it all means. But just think, sitting there and thinking, you know, what did I get myself into? Am I really fit to be a parent? Can I handle this for, you know, eight, 15 to 21 more years? You know, am I able to handle this? And so mothering can be tough. So I just want to say happy Mother's Day. You guys deserve all the praise that you get today. And so I just want to honor you today. And so there's two things that, yeah, we can clap if we want. Clap for all the moms. But there's a two things that we need to acknowledge before we're talking today. And the first is that if you're a mom of any kind, today is your day. And so soak it up, soak it in, and just be encouraged. We want to honor you. But the second thing is, is that we all have moms. We all were born at one point, And today is a a day and an opportunity to honor them. And so this can be difficult and hard when we think about all the different family dynamics that can happen. And we're going to talk about some family dynamics uh, in the life of Jesus that are really interesting to look at. And so it is in this slide that we're going to focus on the most famous mother probably in all of scripture, and that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're going to look at some different stories that we can kind of grab out of her life specifically, and how she was a mother to Jesus, and how she handled that, and dealt with that, and how she could understand what it means to be a mother, and how we can apply those things to our, to your lives as mothers, but our lives as well as when we're thinking about our families, especially when we think about being in the church. So let's jump in. And so I want you to imagine yourself, specifically all the moms in the room, imagine yourself being a teenage woman and an angel of the Lord appears before you. And his name's Gabriel. And he says this in Luke 1.30. He says, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. 
And so this angel Gabriel goes on and he begins to explain what's going to happen. And that Mary is going to conceive and give birth to a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. That she's to call him and name him Jesus. And that he will basically become the savior of the world. He will establish his kingdom to which there will be no end and he will rule forever. And so I just imagine Mary just like data dump on Mary's brain, a teenage mind, just realizing how am I going to handle this? Like, and so that's what she kind of says. And she kind of like, how is this all going to happen? The, the angel goes on and explains some more. But so then this is her response. And it's something that we all can do and understand when we're talking about our families and the way that we interact with our kids or our parents. She, this is what Mary said. She, verse 138, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And so, Mom, I'm sure that moment where you found out that you were first pregnant is like a memory that you'll always have. It was probably a rush of emotions, both good, both scared, both trying to understand what it all means for the rest of your life. But just imagine if you had an angel telling you all this and that you were going to be carrying the Savior of the world for nine months and have to un- know and understand what a life of raising the Son of God would be like. And so as the story goes on, Mary and her future husband, Joseph, make plans for the baby to be born. And so when you think about the scorn, the ridicule that they probably endured, trying to figure out, okay, Mary's pregnant, but they're not married. She claims she's a virgin. How does this all work? And so it was probably weird and awkward, but they made it work. And so they end up getting, they go to Bethlehem. And so the story goes on. And so During this birth that's happening, they're in a manger, but during the birth, the angels are announcing to people all around the area that Jesus is being born. And so the angels go to these shepherds. And so this is, there's a specific story I want to pick out out of this and read. And so it's in Luke 2, 15 through 20. And so it says this, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, the sweetest thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And so this is what I want to focus on today, and this is what we're going to think about for the rest of our time today. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Then shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And so for the shepherds, they were told, Jesus is here. Like, go worship him. Go find him in this village. But for Mary, think about the experience she's having. She just gave birth. You know, she's dealt with this for nine months, this weird awkwardness of like, okay, I'm a virgin, but I've conceived a child and I'm having this baby right now. And so this is this moment of like processing and understanding what is actually going on. And what does it say? Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And so moms, have you had an experience in the way that you've raised your kids where you've just had to sit back and just soak that into your heart and just ponder it and wonder how am I going to handle this? How am I going to do this today? I imagine this has happened to you. I hope it has so that you can connect with Mary in these stories. But I imagine that my mom, crying through the halls that I could hear in the walls, that she was sitting there pondering in her heart, wondering, how am I going to do this? How am I going to raise a kid? And they wanted to have more. And I have two younger sisters. How are we going to have a family? 
if it's going to be like this. And so today our big idea is simply this, that mothering is God's creation. Every person walking the face of the earth was given birth to by their mother. God created Adam and Eve, and then from there, man and woman would have to come together in order for creation to result. Each conception is a gift from God, reproclaiming and pointing back to God's creative power at work in our world. And so moms, you are moms because God created it to be so. And there's something that can be so rewarding when you understand that, that each time you give birth, that each time there's this miracle happening inside of your body, that God is proclaiming his creative work inside and through you. And you get to experience it as you raise your kids. And so this miracle of childbirth leads to other miracles of child raising. And so the role of a mother is crucial that even in the minds and lives of children, we can know scientifically the power of connection that exists between a mom and her child. There's a study by the Stanford University School of Medicine that took, they took 24 elementary age school kids. They put them in a room and then they had these kids listen to three different sets of unintelligible words. It was more about them hearing the voice of the words being spoken, not about the words actually being spoken. And so what, what, what would happen is, is like they would listen to three sets of words spoken by three different women. One of them was their mother. And so at the end of the study, like after they listened to these voices, they would pick out which ones were their mom. And so 97% of these kids hearing unintelligible words were able to point out, well, the first or second or the third set, that was my mom. And so they're able to pick it out, so just like at an astonishing rate. But the cool part of the story is that during this test, the children's brain waves were being like monitored by you know, all the different nodes on the brains and stuff like that, little scientific stuff. And so they're looking at the different parts of the brain that are flashing when they're hearing the voices of their mother. And so this is what the, the actual, the scientific from the study, this is what it says. The brain regions that were more engaged by the voices of the children's own mothers than by the control voices included auditory regions, such as the primary auditory cortex, regions of the brain that handle emotions, such as the amygdala, brain regions that detect and assign values to rewarding stimuli, such as the mesolimbic reward pathway, and medical prefrontal cortex, regions that process information about the self, including the default mode network and areas involved in perceiving and processing the sight of faces. That's a lot of scientific jarvel that I just spoke. And the point of it all is, is to tell you this, that when kids heard their mom's voices, it wasn't just hearing a voice. It was firing off in multiple different regions saying, this is my mom and this is how I look and see the world. And so the, one of the doctors says this, the extent of the regions that were engaged was really quite surprising. It wasn't just about hearing a voice. It was about what that voice meant to their lives. And so another doctor said, we know that hearing mother's voice can be an important source of emotional comfort. Here, we're showing the biological circuitry underlying that. And so when kids, or when I was a young boy and I heard my mom's shout of like, don't tell me to shut up, it wasn't just hearing uh, her being mad at me. It was actually hearing something that was going to imprint on the way that I lived my life. And so what, we're, what we need to understand, that as a study, it's like a huge study and it goes on, and it says that the kids who were able to connect through all parts of the brain by what their moms were saying, they actually become better at communicating with fellow children. 
And so how cool is it to see that God has created mothering in such a specific way that it actually is circuited in our brains to make connections from side to side, from all different parts, that even we can make connections outside of just our mother, but with our friends, with people that we interact with. And so it's crucial when you think about this mothering relationship. And so a thought for you, mother, specifically, with in light of that, mothering is God's creation, and just as this, is that God has equipped you for your, your unique work of mothering. And so maybe you are a mother today of any kind, and you are in a moment, and you're just in that moment where Mary was, where you're pondering, like, I'm going through a lot of stuff. I'm having to deal with a lot of different things. And so maybe you're pregnant, and you're waiting for the due date, and that's just like maybe becoming a little stressful for you. Maybe your three-year-old told you to shut up in maybe different terms, and you're like, how am I going to handle this for the next couple decades? Maybe you're working through the transition details of an adoption. Maybe you have multiple children, and they're all in school, and you're just trying to keep a handle of the social complexities that are involved and making sure that they're growing at the right rate and that they're learning the things they need to learn, and you're worried and stressed about that. How are you going to handle it? Maybe you're waiting on a foster care placement and you just want it to work out smoothly. Whatever stage of parenting you're in is for you mothers. Know that God has equipped you specifically for your work. And so when we look back to Mary, she had these moments where she had to question what is going on. There's a story in Luke 2, just that next chapter after the birth story. And so it's, it's there, Joseph and Mary each year would go to the temple to do, uh, participate in a festival. And on their way back, this is where we pick up this story in Luke 2, 45 through 52. It says, they can't find him, so they lost him. And so it goes on and says, when they couldn't find him, this is Jesus, they couldn't find Jesus. They lost the Son of God. But when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. And so just think about the underlying issues Mary's dealing with right here. She already has the stress of raising the Son of God. And so now she's just like, I lost him. Like, just, I'm like, God, I know you have a plan, but I really just screwed this up. Like, and so she's just probably just frantically, like she said, I'm frantic. We've been looking for you. And so just, if you, you're in that, if you're in that moment, what are you going to hear, think and hear when Jesus says this? But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. And so you, you think about Mary and Joseph in that moment. And you're like, what did you just say to us? Why were you searching for me? It's like, Mary like, had to have just been like, this is pretty messed up. You're my son. I love you. You're this, also the son of God, and I'm trying to understand what that means. Of course I'm going to search for you. But what does this say in verse 51? So they returned to Nazareth with them, and Jesus was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. And so this is just another moment for Mary to store up in her heart and begin to process and think, what does it mean to be a mother? And for her specifically, what does it mean to be the mother of Jesus? And so I imagine that Mary oftentimes just continually went back to what the angel Gabriel said over and over and over. 
Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. She probably told it to her three times to herself. Don't be afraid, Mary. She's praying to see her just sitting there. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And so some of you mothers, I think you need to understand that you have found favor with God as mothers. That when you're in those times of crisis and times of searching and understanding, that if you've chosen to follow Jesus and like submit your life to him, just know you are favored by God. You do not need to worry. You do not need to fear. In Galatians 5.22, I was trying to think of different things that we could talk about, like what makes a great mother. And if you read in Galatians, Paul is describing these fruits of the Spirit. And I can't think of any better way to talk about what makes a great mother than these things. And so this is what it says in Galatians 5.22. It says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And so moms, as followers of Jesus here today, as those living by the Spirit, follow the Spirit's power in every part of your lives, including being a mother. And so this is where it kind of switches to just being about mothers today, but also for all of us. Because how many times are me and Thad up here, or we're just talking about encouraging you, we want you to live your lives according to Scripture and according to the way God would call us, but all of us could apply these things. So fathers, we could repeat this whole talk in about a month's time for Father's Day. And if you would just apply love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control— you would be a better father as well. God has equipped you mothers for the work of mothering. But he's equipped fathers for the work of fathering. He's equipped children for the work of childrening. Childrening, that's a new word. But to be honor your parents. So when you're thinking about ways and you're thinking about stress in your family's life, then if you've chosen to follow Jesus, if you let the fruits of the Spirit come out, That's how you become the best mother. That's how you become the best father. That's how you become the best child that God wants you to be. And then you can go on and on and on and apply this to every part of your life. You can be the best worker at your job. You can be the best husband, wife, or spouse, or wife, husband, you know, to your spouse. I'm just getting a little flabbergasted up here. But you think about every part of our lives. If we choose to let the Spirit's work take root in our lives, and bear fruit. You're talking about the things that make great fathers, great mothers, great sons and daughters. And so the thought one for all of us today as we kind of transition from mothers to now everyone is that the good news of Jesus changes our view of family. And so by now in this story about Mary and Jesus and that mothering journey, Jesus has grown and he started his ministry. And so he's called his disciples and he's beginning to teach them. And there's this story in the book of Mark that we're going to read where uh, Mary and Jesus' brothers come up to him. And this is just how the story goes. Mark three thirty one. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside where they were. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they, tur- they told... And they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus says this. Again, think about Mary's reaction when she hears this. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. 
Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And so you can look at this from our perspective of what we know about family and about what we know about family structures and think Jesus is just being the biggest jerk in all the world to his mom. But when you begin to understand the whole complexity of Jesus and who he was and the kingdom that he was bringing, you realize that Jesus is trying to change people's hearts and minds and understand what kingdom on this earth really means. And Jesus is saying, Mary, I know you're my mom. You gave birth to me, but now the kingdom is here. And now anyone who does the will of God, who is a woman who's older than me, can now be considered my mother. Now anyone who's like age is a brother or a sister in Christ. Let anyone who's younger than me, I'm going to treat them as my own children. And so this is the kind of things Jesus is trying to get through our, our minds. But imagine being Mary. What are you going to feel? You're going to feel hurt. You're going to feel betrayed. You're going to feel confusion. It's just another opportunity for Mary to store up these things in her heart and try and understand what they are. And so as followers of Jesus, it's kind of important to know when we look at that teaching of Jesus is that we are now all brothers and sisters under Christ. We've all been adopted into the family of God when we choose to follow him. We've all been filled with this Holy Spirit to, be, to push us on to good works and push us on to those fruits of the Spirit that we just read about earlier. And Paul even describes it like this. He's telling Timothy how to be a leader. And he says this in 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2. Two, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And so it makes perfect sense, actually, All this month, we're talking about foster care as our giving focus. And so if the church can be a place where we say we're going to be father to the fatherless and mothers to the motherless, then I think we can also begin to understand that other people that maybe have their own mothers can also be considered my brothers and sisters. Or, you know, older women can be considered my mothers. And so this gets really personal for me right now in the last two years of my life, talking about the loss of my mom two years ago, is that I begin to wonder, God, like, am I just going to miss, like, something completely out of my life for the rest of my life? I just don't have a mom. And Psalms 27.10 says, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. And so it's when we understand the community of God and the community of Jesus that although we might go through times where we lose a father or mother, we lose a loved one, this is the beauty of community and a family when you can say, I lost my mom, but there's a lot of moms here. And so that's what's cool. And it was funny, I was, <laughs> I was like laughing. I'm like, I'm going to do the Mother's Day talk today. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to cry. But I'm going to hold it together because of the moms that have invested in me over the last two years. I agree with Mandy. <laughs> you do have the best mom because I feel like she's my mom. And that's for you, Devin. Um, my mother-in-law is here today. And so Sheila didn't... <laughs> She's never heard me speak in person, I don't think. And so I just wanted to point her out and just say that you're not my mom. You didn't give birth to me. As I tell all these stories, you're probably thankful. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but you're my mother-in-law, and 
I've just had to learn, and I'm still working through it. I don't call you mom. I don't know if I ever will. But uh, that's, you're like a mom to me now. And so that's the beauty of what can happen when we create community. When we choose to say, these people aren't just like my friends, but they're actually my brothers and sisters in Christ. That these people aren't just like older women who, you know, are aged in years. They're actually like my mothers, and older men are like my fathers. And the more and more we can work to create that sort of community, the more and more you understand what Jesus is talking about here. And so it gets really personal for Jesus and Mary because there's a time where he's on the cross. And we were going to read it. I'm going to just kind of tell you about it. But he's at the cross, and with some of his last breaths, he has to tell his friend, John, he has to say, you know, no longer am I going to be your son, Mary. I'm going to die, but I want you to take John as your son, and John, I want you to take Mary as your mother. And so, yeah, that's kind of the customs, like oldest people kind of took care of of the families if someone died, and so there was this natural thing, but it also points back to the spiritualness of it in that no longer was Jesus going to be the son of Mary, and so Jesus wanted to specifically take care of Mary after all this long journey of going through life, of bearing the son of God. And Jesus, with some of his last words, he says, Mary, I'm going to take care of you. Take John as your son, and John, take Mary as your mother. And so, this gets us all to the point of this next thought. Thought two is that we need to honor the journey. And specifically, we're talking about honoring the journey of mothers. And so when you look at the sum total of Mary's life as a mother, specifically as a mother of Jesus, you can understand, you kind of like just look at it and you say, wow, Mary, you've been put through the ringer. Like you've been put through so much. You've had to endure so many things. You've had to learn what it means to, like she had a front row seat to what it means God bringing the kingdom to earth. And she had to process all those things throughout the life of Jesus. And so at the conclusion, one of the last things we hear about Mary is in the book of Acts 1.14. And so Jesus had died on the cross was raised to life once again, and he had ascended to heaven. And so he told the disciples to gather together. And so we read about this in Acts 1.14. It says, They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary and the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. And so I wonder, in that room, it says they were up in an upper room in Jerusalem. I wonder in that room what was going through Mary's mind. Being at the culmination of Jesus' life and understanding that he had fulfilled his mission, that he had ascended into heaven, what Mary must have been doing in that moment. I imagine that she was sitting there praying. I imagine that she was just unpacking one after another all those different memories of what it meant to be the mother of Jesus. All those things through the life that Mary had to live through and endure— She had to just unpack, that's what this meant. That's what this meant. That's what this meant. And so she just was there. She was there when the church was started. And so this is what happened. The church actually just blew up after this. And so Mary had a front row seat for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, for the three years of ministry. And then she got to see the whole thing explode from there. And so I think some of you mothers are in those times and moments where you're like, what does all this mean? 
You're just packing it in. And so what we want to do today is just honor your journey, no matter what it might be. And I wish I could just list off every single aspect of what it means to be a mother. That I could actually specifically walk through each and every one of your mothering stories and just say, man, this is for you if you've gone through this. Man, this is for you if you've gone through this. But I don't have the time to do that. And so I just want you to know that whatever your journey is, whether you're a biological parent of a child, whether you're a foster care parent and you take care of someone every few months, every couple years, whether you're an adoptive parent and you've taken someone in and you've had them for your whole lives, whatever it is, God has equipped you for the work of being a mother. On this Mother's Day, we have to realize that it's not just about giving birth physically, but it's about being one in a community of people that understand what mothering means. And so, if you're a new mother today on this Mother's Day, maybe this is your first Mother's Day, I want you to rejoice and be happy and soak it in because today is for you. If you're a mother of, of foster kids or an adoptive mom, and maybe you don't feel like you get the credit like all the other quote-unquote real moms who really gave birth, I want you to know and stand up proud today because you're a mother and today is for you. If you're entrenched in the joy and the struggle of motherhood, maybe you have multiple kids or you're far along the journey, know that today is for you. You're honored and you are blessed. If you're a future mother and you're struggling with what it means to become a mother and you haven't become a mother yet and you're struggling with that, I want you to know God hears your cries, he sees your tears, and even for you today, Mother's Day is for you. And for the rest of us, for those that have mothers and all the different complexities that goes into maybe you didn't have a great mother. Maybe you didn't have a great relationship growing up with your mom. Maybe you, it's just non-existent and today is the worst day to think about honoring a mother because why would you ever honor someone who did those horrific and terrible things to you? I just want you to know God sees your story and you are honored today as well. That God's not just here for the mothers, but he's here for the children who didn't have one. And so maybe you've lost someone like I have. Maybe your story is similar to mine. God hears and sees your prayers and your cries. And he has these natural relationships that if you walk into them, they don't, they don't make up for you losing your mom. But they bring you new things, the joy that you maybe never thought you would have experienced. And so today, our action point today is so simple, is that we're just going to pray. We're going to pray for all of you moms that are here. We just want to pray and take time during the worship time just to sit. Maybe you want to write on your connect card, but we just want to pray for you specifically. So maybe you're a husband and your wife is here and you guys have kids. Pray for your spouse. Maybe you're here. Just know that we're praying over you. I'm going to pray over you. But so for those lucky enough, maybe your mothers are still here and you have a great relationship with them. Pray for your mother today. She might not be here in the room, but take four minutes, the three to four minutes that we're going to worship today and just say, God, I want you to just knock my mom's socks off with blessing today on this Mother's Day. And then take like those natural steps in your brain to say, how can I be a part of that? Maybe you're going to call and you don't call often, or you're going to, you know, send something late and it's going to arrive later this week. And that'll be something your mom will love. You'll always send a Mother's Day gift late. You know, that moms love those things. Like, 
I feel like my mom loved the worst parts about me. And I'm like, mom, like knock that off. But it's just like, that's the point is that you, when you do the action, when you pray and you put in the work afterwards, like that's what's honoring to people. So I'm gonna pray. We're gonna take time to worship and Benny's gonna sing a song. But just think about just the work that Mary must have gone through to raise Jesus. For you moms, be encouraged today that you, God created mothering and that he's equipped you to do it. And for everyone else, how can we honor our moms? How can we honor the moms in our lives that might not be our physical moms? Let us think about what we can do practically to respond to that today. So God, we come together, we come before you on this Mother's Day and we just offer this time up to you. We pray for all the moms in the room who might be foster care moms, might be biological moms, might be adoptive moms, might be moms of the guy who lost his mom two years ago. God, I just pray that you would bring blessing upon blessing upon each of these mothers today. God, I thank you for the beauty of creation and that we get to walk in the sun this afternoon. God, would it be signs pointing back to you today? And I pray that the moms in this place would just be honored and blessed to know you, to know their kids, God, and to know each other. And God, I pray for all the rest of us. God, I pray that we would find ways to naturally and tangibly bring honor and blessing to the moms in our lives. Would we take the moment to call, to do the extra word, to say the extra compliment, to do the extra thing, God. But for all of us, let us think about ways we can let your spirit root inside our lives to bear fruit of the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, God. Let us give those things up to you today. Let us offer them as just a sacrifice to you and let us use them to love others. So we ask all this in your name. Amen. So to all the moms that are walking your unique journeys, God has created you for it and he's equipped you to do it. So go in power and in the power of the Holy Spirit today to do that.